this is Deb. You're tuned in to the Planet E and Me podcast. Yep, together we're changing the world. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 103 of the Planet E and Me podcast. You're probably wondering what's in store. Well, today we're tackling the big kahuna of all environmental issues, climate change. Now, because a lot of my podcast listeners tend to be friends and families of my guests, I have no idea where each of you lands on the issue of climate change. So I'm just going to assume that, like my extended family, we have folks across the spectrum. For those who feel that climate change is just part of a natural cycle and you're not particularly concerned about it, and for folks on the opposite end of the spectrum who feel like they know so much about climate change they could give lectures, I urge you to stick around for the rest of the podcast and the follow-up video. I think it's going to be worth your while. Linda Beers, longtime violinist with the Hartford Symphony, will be joining us later to share her passion for both nature and music. I know you'll love the music, and I'm also going to bet that you'll enjoy watching our follow-up video. It's called The History of Climate Change Through Words and Music. Our hope is that the video provides everyone with a fresh perspective. Some of you may know that I have two part-time jobs. I spend two or three afternoons a week as a librarian, and the rest of the time I work for a nonprofit called Northeast Storytelling. The membership includes some of the finest professional storytellers in the country. One such teller is the incomparable Sheila Arnold. A few weeks ago, I heard her tell a story that hit just the right chord for me, and she's given me permission to share her recording. I know after you hear the story, you'll be thinking to yourself, how can I hear more stories by Sheila? Well, it's very simple. Go to her website, www.misssheila.org. And without further ado, here's the story of The Hummingbird and the Forest Fire. The forest was alit. The fire was burning. And the animals ran. They ran for their lives down to the river. They turned their faces back to the forest that was burning. Their hearts were saddened. They had lost their homes. They were discouraged beyond belief. There was nothing they could do. And they began to moan and groan among themselves that all they had was lost. And what, what possibly could they do? The hummingbird heard this. And the hummingbird heard this. And so the hummingbird went to the river and picked up two drops of water and went back to the fire and opened its beak and the drops fell. He went back to the river and took two drops of water and went back to the fire and opened his beak and the two drops fell. And again and again and again he did this until finally there was a small rabbit that said, what is the hummingbird doing? And all the animals began to be quiet and they looked and they saw the hummingbird picking up the water, taking it to the fire, dropping the water, going back over and over and over again. And then they began to talk to him. What is wrong with you? Your beak, it does not hold enough water. What would you do? Oh, your wings, they are too light and they will burn, you will scorch yourself. You will certainly die if you continue to do the work that you do. They did not stop. He picked up water, took it over to the flame and he dropped it and came back. Finally, the bear could stand it no more. He was angry at the bird, and he was fearful. 
What are you doing? And the hummingbird stopped for just a moment, just its wings flapping as always. I am doing what I can. And he picked up some more water and he went back to the flames. For those that don't know that story, that's the hummingbird story. It's an old folktale. Felt like it was perfect for right now. Because we need to create the world we want to see. We need to create the vision we want to see for our world. We need to take on climate change with passion and a good story. And that was a good story. I so often feel like that little hummingbird fighting fires with thimblefuls of water. But you have to try, right? A few years ago, I attended a talk by Ralph Nader, and one of the things he said that really stuck with me is that you just need 1%. 1% of the population doing the right thing to make important change happen. And it makes me happy to see that every day there are more and more hummingbirds learning to fly out there. So to become part of that legion of hummingbirds, it only takes the will to take actions of significance in your life. One of the best ways to do this is to use your personal talents like our guest Linda Beers. Linda is using her gift for music to bring awareness to the issues facing our planet. Listen as Linda plays her original composition, Song of Spring.
today we're talking with the very talented Linda Beers. Welcome to the show, Linda. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's great that you're here. And just as a little background for our listeners, I actually first started getting to know you when my husband came home from a Sierra Club meeting and said he met a very nice woman there. And that woman happened to be you. Um, Mark had gone there to give out some of my 50 by 50 books and you were kind enough to take one of them. Since that time, we've been working on a couple of projects together and I've come to know two important things about you. And that is you're very passionate about both music and nature. And I just wanted to learn a little bit more about how those passions developed, which one came first. Well, they both, they both probably were about the same time when I, I grew up in a very musical family. I'm the first one to pursue it professionally, but we were always playing music. You know, as a little kid, I always got the impression that was a huge priority to my parents and my siblings were playing music. And my earliest memories were following my mother around the house, asking her when they were going to get me a violin. And that was probably when I was like three years old, and it was before Suzuki had come to our area, no so they didn't have those really tiny violins yet. So I and I somehow thought that you know maybe a toy store would have a plastic violin, and my mother's like, no, that's not going to sound good. So um, no, you have to wait until you're a little bit bigger. And I think it was sometime between the ages of four and six they finally got me a violin, and my older sister, who's ten years older than me, was actually my first violin teacher. That's how the musical part started. And then mm-hmm. in terms of like nature, and um, we always had a lot of pets around, and we always went to the zoo. Mm-hmm. And we spent you know time outdoors. We went camping. And it was around the same time that the Born Free movies were coming out. Oh, and I was very yeah. concerned about lions. And it was interesting that the music for the movie would just make me start crying. And so there's that connection between Mm -hmm. nature and music. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Oh, so that's how it all started. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, When it comes to nature today, with all of these issues going on, what concerns you specifically the most? I would say right at the moment. I mean, there's a lot to be concerned about, but I think what I'm focused on right at the moment is kind of how the climate change is impacting wildlife and also um, indigenous peoples and just seeing how, you know, lifestyles are changing. And I think with indigenous peoples, I mean, the wildlife, definitely, there's a very emotional component there for me. But the indigenous peoples, it's to me, it's almost like the canary in the coal mine. You kind of see how their lives are changing and they're people who are so connected to their environment. They live off of the land. And if they're being kind of tossed aside literally by storms or, you know, whatever it is that's happening to them, I think that's just a sign that trouble is looming for Mm. all of us. And that we need to do better, for sure. And that we we can do better. Right. So it sounds like you've been interested in nature and the environment for a long time. What kinds of things are you doing on an individual level to make changes in your own life? Um, I'm doing things like, you know, making sure that I'm collecting as much plastic and not bringing in as much plastic, like the supermarkets or whatever would have you. I'm trying to limit that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Staying away from products that are overpackaged, that kind of thing. And I'm also investigating how to recycle plastics 
And I found it to be very complicated, actually, that um, every township has different rules, and it seems like things change kind of on a regular basis. So it's really something that you have to stay on top of. And right at the moment, I've got like a mound of plastics in my garage, <laughs> just getting ready to sort and um, take to their various locations. And so that's right. one of the things. Right. And then um, in my home, I'm, I live in a condominium, and I'm trying to just make sure it's insulated, that I turn the thermostat down. And um, I, I guess it was about two years ago, I installed some really good windows to help um, further insulate. So, um, and I also have LED lights and just trying right. to do whatever I can in my home to make it um, more earth friendly. Right, saving yeah. fossil fuels in general. I know what you mean about the plastic. I think I just read somewhere that only 9% of plastics ever actually get recycled, which makes me mm-hmm. super sad. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. you, we we are trying very hard um, to reduce our plastic. So we are using a paper bag for the trash. And mm-hmm. when we go to stores, we bring, of course, our own bags, even mm-hmm. for the produce. And it's hard, though. You, you yeah. If you really look, almost everything is packaged yes. in plastic. We're shopping more locally, which is a good thing. We're, mm-hmm. we're going out to the farms. So my next step is... Uh, bringing our own containers and seeing how stores manage with that. Some, I think, would be okay with it. Others, maybe less so. But what are some next steps for you? I I still would very much like to get on one of the committees in the condominium association I lived Mm. in, which is huge. Um, It's hard to get on them. There isn't very much turnover, which I think is part of the problem, that the same people are on the committees. And um, I think that that would really... um, I'd really like to do that long term, so that's something I'm definitely pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just you know, really trying to find more ways to um, you know reduce my use of fossil fuel products. I'd also really like to do more traveling to areas that have been impacted by mm-hmm. climate change because I've found, and we were talking about this actually before we started recording, that right. um, when I send when I post pictures on Facebook of some place I've traveled to. I hear about that from my friends, mm-hmm. and um, you know some of my you know social media friends um, I don't see very often. So it might be months until I see them, and then they say, "Oh, I saw those pictures you posted. That was really interesting. Can you tell me more about that?" Oh, and wow. so um, I'd really love to go on a trip like to Louisiana mm-hmm. and Alabama to um, see you know how they're impacted because I think that they. Um, you know, experienced a lot of the brunt of the really severe storms, and they also had the um, blowout, the BP blowout, and that oh, I'd still yeah. like to see, yeah. you know, what's going on with their cleanup efforts. It seems to me you could go almost anywhere these days yeah. and find um, communities in crisis from climate change. I mean, look at the, the flooding in the Midwest and, exactly. and Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. My um, niece worked to help people with uh, Hurricane Sandy so Mm -hmm. it's just it's tragic to watch all that happening in real time and and to know the connection and know like this is something we Mm -hmm. really need to work on or we're only going to see more of that and what what do you think has to be done to get that message across to people who are not quite making that connection yet I think it's just something on a very personal level 
you know, I'm, I teach in a public school program, in a string program. Right. And um, in our last concert with one of the groups I teach, we did a piece called Arctic Crossing. Oh. And, um, you know, when we do these concerts, we really just have to fire through the music. We don't have a lot of time for, you know, other things going on. But the, the students do read kind of an introduction to the piece. And we did say something about, um, you know, the impact of global warming on the Arctic. And um, right. my supervisor definitely noticed that we had said something about that. And mm-hmm. she appreciated, she mentioned it actually oh, later on. Yeah. And um, we were going to do another piece this in May called Iowa Spring. Well, when I programmed this piece, I had no idea that what spring would be like in Iowa in 2019. Right. So um, I'm planning, I'm starting to think about what I want the children to read before Mm -hmm. we perform that piece. So that's amazing. That's great that you're bringing it into the music and the classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there needs to be more of that. In fact, I thought I read that the state just passed something that says um, that the curriculum now has to include climate change, which is so important. I I mean, I think that should be a federal, well, education tends to be state, but across the board, Mm -hmm. everybody should be teaching about climate change in school because obviously when your kids come home talking about that, then, you know, that's a way to make it more real to to other people or, or to take action you know Mm -hmm. maybe people believe it but they're not taking the action that needs to be taken as we were talking about on different levels so you're doing a lot on the individual level you're clearly doing a lot on the community level Mm -hmm. and there's state and federal and and there are ways to attack the problem at all those levels so Mm -hmm. one of the cool things well first as we mentioned I wanted to say that you're an amazing violinist (laughs) and it's it's pretty neat that you have been in the um first violin section of the hartford symphony orchestra since 1997 yes that's pretty pretty impressive um and one thing i admire about people is when they have a talent like you do and they take that and they mix it in um to help find solutions to problems and to bring change, positive change, which clearly you're doing that in the school systems, but also independently, I know you were working on a project called Song of Spring. Mm -hmm. So can you share with us a little bit about how that evolved and um, what it's all about? I guess I have to back up to, um, I work with a local poet. Um, Her name is Joan Cantor, she lives in Canton. And we have a program we call Stringing Words Together where she'll read a set of her poems and I'll play some violin music that seems to connect the dots or um, it's kind of a commentary on her poems. And I had watched the um, Discovery Channel documentary called Racing Extinction. And I just, you know, after I watched that movie, I just thought I have to do something. And I talked to Joan about it and she watched the, the movie also. And she wrote a poem called Silenced, which is about the extinction of the Kauai O'o bird. And she had been kind of bugging me for probably at least a year about writing my own music because I'd pretty much been playing other people's music that I would arrange that um, that seemed to make sense at the time to do things that way. And so I, I wrote a piece of music that would go with her poem and the piece I called it Song of Spring. And it was from a long time ago... When I was in high school, I was taking Chinese, 
And um, this was no kind of unusual because this, you're talking about the late 70s. Right. And right. that wasn't really a, a big thing back then. <laughs> Not yet. We yeah. haven't quite got there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I participated, I guess this is kind of a long answer to your question. No, please. <laughs> I participated in a Chinese New Year celebration and I played what I thought was called Song of Spring. But I have no recollection of how the piece went. I did not have the music. I couldn't find it. I searched all through my library. I was sure that that's what I was going to play with Joan's poem. And um, I Googled it. I really tried to find this piece, and it just was nowhere to be found. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to write it then. I couldn't remember how it went, so I just created something that um, seemed to go with what you know, I was experiencing surrounding that movie. Mm-hmm. As I kind of was going through this process of writing the piece and kind of reflecting on the movie, I, in my mind, saw this, my own movie, you know, mm-hmm. kind of my own story. I heard it as like um, a folk tale, and I could imagine the way the characters looked and what the action was and the story and everything. But then, you know, we, we performed that program um, Joan and I for the RJ Julia booksellers in 2016 oh, okay. and that was in the summer and um, I think it was pretty much after that I just decided you know I really need to nail this thing down mm-hmm. so I wrote the script and um, then I started searching for an animator and that that was kind of complicated yes. but I did find somebody very talented and I found a voiceover actor and in May of 2017, we completed it, and I released it. After that, it was one of these things where it was such a big deal for me to make this movie, right. which was, by the way, less than three minutes. <laughs> um, short. <laughs> yes, <laughs> technically. Short, animated short. It's very short. And I had written it specifically to be released on social media, because mm-hmm. I know that people don't really watch things beyond that length of time, so I kept it very short. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my friends really, they loved it, and they said really great things about it. And then nothing happened. And and I thought that I need to do something just to get people to watch it. So Mm -hmm. I figured out I needed to enter it in film festivals. Well, you know, as a musician, I have no experience with film festivals, so that was yet another learning curve. So I studied that and um, asked for some advice from people who, I guess, were in the know, and I entered it in some film festivals, and it was selected to um, be screened in three film festivals, two in New York, and then one in Santa Barbara, California, and that one, it um, it was the nominee for Best Animated Short Film. So uh, that was very exciting. Yes, fantastic. So, yes, and um, I may enter it in one more film festival. So um, it's not quite over yet, but you know, so far. Do you have well. any idea how many people have seen it at this point? Do you? I'm not really sure because you know I have to keep taking it off, and when you're in um, consideration for a film festival, you can't have it. Um, available to the public, uh, so it keeps the that's, irony. That's, yeah, that's kind of the downside of going into film festivals is that right. it, you know. Um, so I'm not really sure. I know people having seen it live, it might be around a hundred, but I'm not sure. That's probably mm-hmm. lower compared to mm-hmm. the social media. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I bet. Well, I'm yeah. hoping lots and lots more people yeah. watch it. So. Yeah, 
where will they find information about you online in the future? The best place to look is um, lindabeers.com. Okay. To go right there. Or you could go to my Facebook page. Actually, you could put in Song of Spring and okay. um, go to the Facebook page. And when will that be available, do you think, it'll be back well, up? right at the moment, it, everything is still up. It's oh. going to come down probably this week. So maybe by the time this program airs, it right. probably will be down. Although you can read a lot about it and see still photos. Okay. It'll be back up again, um, I would say, towards the end of May. Okay, yeah. so... End of May, people, go to lindabeers.com and check out Song of Spring. It's really amazing. I have watched it myself, and of course, the music is beautiful. I hope you're up for another challenge because mm-hmm. at Planet E and Me, we always have our featured guests take on a, a new challenge. Mm-hmm. So I thought that we could work together to create a digital version of the program that we did last September, which was called The History of Climate Change Through Words and Music. You think you're up for that? I do. Yeah, that was. It's a wonderful program. It was very well received. I think we even surprised ourselves at you know how well it came yes. out. And um, what I liked about it, I mean, I liked a lot of things about it. I thought you did a really great job. Oh, thanks. And um, I like the fact that it really put that historical perspective, so that anybody who's feeling like they don't want to be blamed for what's going on in the world well you can see you know we didn't start this but you know Mm -hmm. it's in our lifetime that you know we really are the ones who need to do something about it right absolutely absolutely excellent so our hope is to produce a video which helps people to understand how we got to where we are in terms of climate change as you just mentioned and what we're asking our audience to do is to support linda's efforts By taking actions of significance at every level, this is the most important thing. But, of course, we would like um, you to consider donating to one of Linda's favorite environmental charities. So, Linda, which charity did you pick? I chose the Environmental Defense Fund. Mm, That's a good one. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Well, I've been supporting them for a while. I'm not sure how many years, but a pretty long time. And um, I was just reading one of their newsletters that one of their current projects is to um, discover all the methane leaks that are associated with um, the gas and oil industry. And they've been doing this, I think, up until now with like airplanes and helicopters. But now I think they're actually going into space. So that is very cool that they're doing that. That's a big project. Yes. Yeah. So So they need your money, people. They do. They do. They need to have money to pay for that. That sounds expensive to me. It does sound expensive, (laughs) but it's a really critical project. Methane is an even more powerful greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. in the short term. So that Mm -hmm. is a very important project. Also, for those people that don't know, methane is the same as natural gas. Yes. (laughs) Just just in case you were wondering. All righty. So... Definitely, we would love everybody to go to Planet E and Me, um, check out the video while you're there, and support Linda and the Environmental Defense Fund. You can donate right from there or on Linda's Facebook page. So visit Planet E and Me and subscribe to the podcast. All right. Well, anything else you want to add, Linda? 
I'm just looking forward to our projects together. This is very exciting. Yes. Exactly what I want to be doing with my music. Awesome. Exciting for me, too, and I can't wait to hear more of your music. So that'll be terrific. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yay. Great job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. You, too. Thank you.